We serve a mighty God, don't we? Amen, an awesome God. The Word of God says, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, we read, Wherefore we receive in a kingdom. I love that we receive the kingdom, eh? He's the one who established the kingdom and we receive it. We receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. How are we to serve God? Acceptably and with reverence and godly fear. Why are those words there? Because the word of God says, our God is a consuming fire. And you know, as Christians, we do well to constantly remind ourselves of this fact, because it causes us to walk humbly before him with reverence and honor. We read earlier in Luke chapter 2, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. It's amazing how brave mankind is and how brave humanity is. I watched a, a debate recently with uh, Lennox is the, the Christian name in this atheist, and the words that were coming out of this atheist's mouth, I just thought, my goodness, the day's going to come when you're going to stand before the creator of heaven and earth. He was speaking with such arrogance and pride. But soon as man encounters heaven, this is the impact. These shepherds were sore afraid. Not because God was there, but just the angel was there. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, meaning to Jew and Gentile alike. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the armies of heavens. Wherever you read a heavenly host, the actual correct word for us in English will be the armies of heaven. So at this proclamation of the birth of Jesus, the army of heaven, the armies of heaven are present. And they were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. When you look at the world today, do you see peace? When we look at the world today, do we see peace? And yet these angelic hosts, this angelic army said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Do you know, we have a misunderstanding of what the word peace means and what it means when they declared that peace will be to those in the world. What is Christmas really about? What is this joy, this peace that we speak of and that we sing of? Yes, there was a babe born in a manger, helpless, vulnerable, cute. Don't let the romance of the nativity scene and the birth of a baby lull you into a sentimental sleep into a sentimental response. Don't let the decorations and the presents and the emotion and the food close your eyes and stop your ears and dampen your heart. When we look at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we need to get an insight and a revelation of what it was all about. Do you know a very real part of the narrative of the birth of Jesus was actually very brutal and barbaric. 
Oftentimes when we sing Away in a Manger in a Silent Night and it's beautiful to sing these songs, we don't think of some of the things that were happening at that time. In Matthew 2.16 we read, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and he murdered all of the children that were in Bethlehem and in the coast thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. What a picture to have alongside of away in a manger, of silent night, to see that there was a massacre of every child under two years of age. And you say, why would you talk about something like this at Christmas? It's a time of happiness and celebration. But church, if we don't understand this, we miss. And we just have a sentimental experience. And we haven't received that true joy and that true peace. Why was there this bloodshed? Because an earthly king was fearful of the true king of kings. There is a rebellion in the heart of man. Man wants to sit on his own throne. Wants things his way. And here is Herod with his little kingdom feeling threatened. And what happens? The corruption and the murderous hate in his heart is revealed in sickening rage. But I want to tell you today that heart of Herod is a reflection and a reminder of my heart and your heart without Jesus Christ. That's the reality of it. That is why God sent Jesus into this world. Not to give us a good feel celebration at Christmas time, but to come and bring true peace to mankind. Even greater than Herod, feeling threatened by this, the God of this world, the God of the world system that we live under, the God who has mankind enslaved was watching. And I think this is glorious because those shepherds didn't understand. The people that Jesus spoke to didn't understand. But I want to tell you, Satan and his demonic hordes, they knew. When Jesus walked into the presence of men and women that were bound by demons, they began to cry out. And say, have you come to torment us before our time, son of God? They knew who he was and Satan was there watching, the God of this world. And before his very eyes, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth was coming into this world. Hallelujah. He knew things were about to get rough for him. He knew that the one who was, the one who is and the one who always will be greater, stronger, victorious, King of Kings, the Alpha, the Omega. Can you imagine the fear that got hold of Satan's heart and the stirring up of that hatred as he motivated the corruption that was in Herod's heart? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, we read, Giving thanks unto the Father, who has made us meet. In other words, he has made us fit for, sufficient for, He has equipped us with adequate power to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's a glorious scripture, isn't it? If you're there trying to struggle with the meaning of that, what God is saying is that you and I are not fit to inherit the glory that God has for us. It's like if you took a fish out of water and laid it in the sun and said to the fish, there's a beautiful sunny day, come and enjoy it. That fish would be in torment and would slowly die. And so it is with humanity. We cannot come into the presence of God unless God makes us fit for his presence. 
unless God makes us adequate and gives us the power that we will be ready to inherit the inheritance that the saints have in the light. And the next verse says this, who has delivered us from the power of darkness. This has got to come back into gospel preaching. Gospel preaching in the 21st century says, come and follow Jesus and your life will be better. You'll get everything that you want. He'll take away your worries and your stresses and you'll have peace and joy in life. Now I want to tell you today, the gospel message says that God has come to deliver us from the power of darkness. He's come to set us free from him. And my question to us today is, have you been delivered from the power of darkness? Have you truly been set free from it? Because if you haven't, you can't stand here singing joy and peace if you're under the power of darkness. True joy and true peace comes when we can say, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was bound, but now I've been set free. Hallelujah. That is the gospel message of peace. What are you living in today? Are you living in the liberty of the Spirit of God? Or are you living in darkness and bondage, sin and rebellion? Many claim to be Christians and they're still living under the power of darkness. Jesus came into this world to deliver us from this power of darkness. In Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light is come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness to people And we see it everywhere in life today. But the Lord shall rise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. And I want to tell you today when the glory of the Lord starts to shine upon us, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. We sang that song this morning and I don't know how many people here today sang it with an empty heart and an empty mind or how many sang it with a joy that says yes, I have been set free. I have been saved. I'm a child of the Most High God. Because I want to tell you, if that truth is in us, the joy will lift the roof of this building. Hallelujah. Maybe we need to sing it again and stir ourselves up and say, God, give us a revelation. Glory be to his name. This is what the coming of God into this world is all about. The word was made flesh, we read in John, and dwelt among us. John 1 verses 4 and 5 we read, In him was life, and that life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. I thank God for the day that God's light shone into my life. And it was as clear to me as night and day. I went from a man who was tormented with thoughts and all sorts of things that the enemy would assault somebody with to a man that began to laugh at the enemy and rejoice in the greatness of my Savior. Hallelujah. Because in him is life and that life is the light of man. We don't want to play religion. We want to be men and women who can testify. He has set me free. He is my life. I will live for him. Hallelujah. God came to deliver us from the power of darkness. We want a peace in this life. Do you know what a peace is to a parent that a house full of children? Peace is like they go quiet and they go to bed and you can just relax. But that's not the peace that we sing about, church. How can a man or a woman that is bound in darkness have peace in their life? It's not until we are set free 
that we know what true peace is. And that peace rules and reigns in the midst of the storms of life. Glory be to her name, to his name, Jesus. He delivers us from the power of darkness. And what a power it is. It blinds minds and deceives them. It holds people in prison. It torments and tortures. Do you know, when you look at the statistics in Australia and New Zealand, I think they're the highest per capita in the world of suicide. It is nothing short of the torment of Satan in people's lives. God created us with an instinct for life. You hear the expression like a drowning man clutching to a straw. Why would he clutch to a straw? A straw can't help him because there's something in man that wants to live. And yet when he gets bound by the enemy and that darkness comes in, he becomes a hopeless, desperate man. Why? Because the powers of darkness. But God says he's come to deliver us from those powers, church. He's come to set us free from them. Hallelujah. Don't be bound by the enemy. Cry out to Jesus. He's the Savior. And that torment and that torture is in the mind. It's in the emotions. And it renders the soul indifferent without feeling. Hypnotized and seduced, the soul sinks deeper and deeper into darkness and bondage. The enemy hardens. The conscience is seared. And the enemy rejoices. But I want to tell you it's even worse than that. Because in that state of being under the powers of darkness, there is an enmity, a war against God. It means that we are not only slaves of Satan, but we are enemies of God. Can anything be worse than that? There are many a person who claims to be a Christian. They profess, they sing in church. And yet they embrace the world and they love the world. I want to tell you, you do not know the Prince of Peace. You don't know peace in your life when you're doing that. You have turned your back on God. The Word of God says, you adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And it's in this enmity, in this abiding under the wrath of God, this separation from God that leads to diseased minds, emotions and wills. But we declare but God. Jesus came into this world that we might be delivered, hallelujah, from the power of darkness. Do you know God never does half a job. He didn't come just to deliver you from the powers of darkness. But the scripture we just read goes on to say, and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. How many of you here today can put your hand up and say, yes, I have been translated into the kingdom of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I have joy in my life and I have peace in my life. All of the glory goes to God. We go on to read in verse 14, in whom... We have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Dear friend, it doesn't matter how you've lived your life, whether you think you have a good philosophy or not, whether you think you've done enough good things to outweigh the bad things. None of those things matter. There's only one thing that matters. God loved you and sent his son to die for you. And that is the only way of salvation. And the gospel message is, will you believe in Jesus? Look away from yourself. You will never make it to heaven. No man ever did. I don't care how bad you've been or how good you think you've been. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God but through Jesus Christ. 
That is true peace. That is true joy. Redemption through the blood of the Lamb. His blood is the sacrifice that paid for your sin and my sin. Glory be to his name. He was born to die. He was born to shed his blood in order that you and I might be redeemed. Do you know what that word redeemed means? It means to be set free from the slavery of the enemy. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you today, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He will set you free. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. We don't sing it because of the manger scene. We don't sing it because of the sentiment around the time we call Christmas. We sing it because Jesus came to set us free and to reconcile us unto God the Father. Joy, unspeakable joy. He has delivered me from the powers of darkness. Joy, unspeakable joy. He has translated me into the kingdom of his son. Hallelujah. And the question is, who does this? We go on to read in verse 15, He who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Do you know, as I read this scripture, I thought, in life, men revere and honor different things. Depends what you like in life. If you're a sports person, you, you look up to great sports people. If you're an intellect, you look up to the great intellects. And the people of this world pay homage to and deference to. And even the celebrities, they want to look up to them. But I want to tell you today, the one who created all things. Think about it for a moment. Everything that was ever created the creator of heaven and earth, I would suggest to you today, if you have an ounce of wisdom in your life, bow your knee before him. He created you. He has given you breath. He has given you life. Hallelujah. He's the one that we are speaking about this morning. Glory be to his name. Whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or power, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things he will have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. Now listen carefully to these words. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him, that is Jesus, to reconcile all things unto himself. Did you hear those words? God the Father has made peace. We can't do it. We cannot do it. You will never get peace in your life. But God declares, I have made peace through the blood of my son's cross. I am the one, God says, that sent my son to shed his blood so that I could make peace with you. You may not understand that today, but I want to tell you that's the love of God. And he's speaking to you this morning and saying, I love you, I love you. I sent my son to die for you. Don't try and earn your way back to me. Receive that sacrifice. That is where true peace is. Hallelujah. Reconciliation to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. And I want to tell you that true peace comes at a great price. God has made that peace with me and you. 
through the shedding of Jesus' blood. We need to take hold of that by faith today. On the cross, it was God the Father in God the Son reconciling you and me unto himself. That is what peace is. It's not the absence of warfare. This world will never know true peace until they receive Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And my challenge to us this morning is, have you received Jesus as your Prince of Peace? Have you allowed Jesus to reconcile you to the Father? Have you received that peace that God has made with mankind? Glory be to his name. Hallelujah. The word of God goes on to say in verse 21 and 22, And you who were sometimes alienated, alienated, meaning in the past, he's talking to the believers, you were enemies in your mind by wicked works. When we live a life of wicked works, we are enemies of God. Yet now has he reconciled. God will reconcile his enemies unto himself in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. I've got good news for us today. God will present me holy and unblameable in his presence. I can never do it, but he will present me to himself, having washed me, having cleansed me, having delivered me through the work of Jesus Christ. That church is peace. The word peace in the New Testament is a Greek word, Irene, and it means to set at one. And God has come to set us at one with himself. Union with Jesus. I am in him and he's in me. That is the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. I want to challenge each and every one of us today. As we go through these times of celebration and rejoicing, remember what it's all about and ask yourself those two questions. Have I been delivered from the powers of darkness and have I been reconciled unto God the Father through the Prince of Peace? His name is Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Some of you might think that's a heavy word for Christmas. It's the truth. Your eternity depends on it. I'm not here to make people feel good. I'm here to prepare people to stand before Jesus Christ on that day. We need the truth, church, and we need to know what true peace and joy is. It has nothing to do with this world and everything to do with our relationship with God because this life is over in an instant and then we step into eternity and God has made the way. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus declares... I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not what you do in life. It's what you do with Jesus in life that determines your eternity. Glory to God. Amen.